Hey there, MSPs and IT pros. Welcome to the Rocket MSP Podcast, the show where we ask the tough questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Comet Backup. You can learn more about them in the show's description. Today, my guest is Alex Spiegel, the Chief Operating Officer of Choice Cyber Solutions. Alex, Thank you. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, I, I would love to get to know you a little bit more before I start grilling you about compliance. Can you give me a little bit about your background and uh, how you got to yeah, where you absolutely. are today? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I have all been in technology since high school. Um, I was a CCNA networking magnet, went to college for MIS, um, kind of fell in love with the industry, and then somehow ended up starting a security and compliance business about six years ago. Um, what we do is we specialize in uh, cyber compliance and we partner exclusively with MSPs to help their clients meet and maintain their compliance goals. Awesome. So that is so cool. I, I was in high school. I did a vocational program where I did the Cisco CCNA course. Uh, but we had our, our teacher for that was someone that w they did like college before this. So they didn't, they didn't teach. I'm going to say they didn't teach right. They just didn't teach the way that high school kids are used to. It was like, here's a bunch of classwork and here's a bunch of homework. Good luck. So on my, I was responsible for the answers of questions one through five. The kid next to me was responsible for six through 10. Needless to say, I didn't pass the test. Uh, <laughs> I, I did get my Novell network for, uh, uh, my CNA for Network Five, though, so that that really did me. A I lot also of good. didn't pass the test at the time. The course is tough, that. <laughs> but I had the opposite teacher. He was very inspiring and uh, encouraging, and it was a great outlet for me. And there was a lot of hands-on activities. I loved playing with the switches and the routers and learning how to cable, and it was really fun. Yeah, year year two, I had a different teacher, and year two was so amazing. I had this guy, his name was Andy Brick. He was our teacher. He be, he ended up becoming the, the I don't know what his title was, but basically the director of IT for the school after that. And he was just the same way, inspirational, really hands-on with the students. Um, it was it was just a really great experience. So uh, when when you have the right teacher, that just goes to show like the right teacher really will will almost make or break your success Absolutely. in a class. So let's, let's talk about compliance a little bit. Um, what would you say is driving companies right now to, to want to become compliant? And by companies, I don't mean MSPs. I mean our clients and potential yeah, clients. Yeah, so there's a ton of drivers when it comes to um, compliance and our client motivators. My favorite is always the proactive ones, the ones that are just, you know, read the news, they're up at night because they're worried about cybersecurity and they want to put a structure around cybersecurity. Um, unfortunately, that's less common in all of our worlds. Um, I'd say the primary driver that I see the most is uh, clients that have their own customer requests. So um, Lockheed Martin is requiring mm -hmm. that in order to keep their contracts that they meet the MMC requirements. Those are the biggest things that we see. 
um, industry requirements and trying to be proactive. CMMC is, again, a great example of that for all Department of Defense contractors. Um, legal requirements and goals, um, other types of data security, risk mitigation. Um, but yeah, proactive for customer trust or to gain a comp- competitive advantage in some way is always the goal. And how would you say MSPs should take advantage of this? Because I, I, the, the one thing I always struggle with is compliance is such a broad spectrum, right? You know, like you said, there's CMMC, there's defense contractors, right? So there's, there's that whole government sector, but then there's, uh, you know, doctors with HIPAA. Uh, there's there's lawyers with their stuff, you know. There's there's finance with, uh, uh, I, I forget that one's like socks, isn't it? Sarbanes-Oxley. Or it uh, depends. Yeah, uh, there's there's PCI DSS. I mean, there's compliance out the wazoo, and uh, I personally believe that it's only going to get, uh, I'm going to say worse air quotes because I I think that that regulation is coming down the pike for MSPs. And I, I believe that compliance is going to become a really important factor. So how, how do MSPs take advantage of this? And, and I guess to, to better ask the question, should, should MSPs like randomly pick one and focus on it or? Okay. That's a lot of questions in one. So I'll try to answer and then circle back if I miss anything. Um, so first and foremost, I think that anyone that has ever talked to me or seen me speak knows that I'm very adamant that MSPs eat their own dog food, put on their own o- oxygen masks yeah. first, put a structure in place internally, a cybersecurity best practices framework, like a NIST CSF or a CIS version 8 or a, C- a CompTIA cybersecurity trust mark are a great place to start. It is really hard to put that structure in for clients that are dependent completely on the MSP for technology without that structure at all. They're going to need, you know, processes around help desk tickets and different things. If you already have that in place, it makes it so much easier to help the client. When I walk into any situation, I just try to proactively listen. You know, what is the client asking for? What do they need? What keeps them up at night? Um, and then you can usually understand enough to make a recommendation or think about compliance from there. Um, to, uh, I mean, I'm biased, but power partnering is the easiest way to get started. Um, and then you don't have to mm-hmm. pick one, right? You're going based on client demand. What are your clients asking for? What do they need? Um, you don't have to pick one and learn it. You can power with someone like us that knows 20 different compliances and can hit the ground running the next day. Um, learning compliance internally could take a lot of time and effort. Okay. Now, that that sounds great in theory, but outsourcing compliance seems even more terrifying to me than outsourcing a help desk. Because with outsourcing a help desk, it's easy for me to just like fire the help desk and find a new one and, and I can supplement uh, in, in between, right? Because they're my clients. I know how to support all this stuff. I'm just outsourcing to uh, maybe prevent myself from having to hire more people so I can, you know, drive more profit. Uh, with outsourcing compliance, that's terrifying because I'm now 
I'm now saying, hey, yeah, you know, we're we're cybersecurity experts or or whatever buzzword you want to use, right? Or and I'm sorry, not cybersecurity, compliance experts. Um, but I'm not. I'm I'm outsourcing it, and if I end up having a bad experience, and that's not just with you, with any compliance company, uh, now now I'm stuck yeah, in the bag. That's outsourcing anything. So uh, typically, our partners bring us in as a partner. We are ourselves to the client. Unlike a help desk where, you know, they're posing with your logo and your brand, um, we function as two separate entities. And that helps a lot in a lot of ways. A, with that comfort that you were just talking about. Um, but it also, you know, mm-hmm. brings in a third-party perspective. So something that you've been trying to sell them for years, like a SIM or advanced cybersecurity tools. We come in, we base it around compliance. Um, we say, in order to meet compliance, we need to jump. And they say, how high and where do I sign? Um, so sometimes it has a lot of benefits, too. Okay. Now, um, I, I feel like we kind of touched on this, but let's let's dive in a little further. What are some major legal or liability risks if uh, I were to start offering compliance help to my clients. So there's risks in doing anything that you don't know how to do well, right? So if you're giving any type of Mm -hmm. uh, advice or guidance to a client in any area where you're claiming to be an expert and you're not, um, that's a huge risk to me. Um, You know, the, the lack of expertise and confidence, you know, could steer them in the wrong direction. Um, I've had clients come to us where, um, they were told by one company with regards to a privacy framework to handle it um, internally and in a very specific way. And the real answer to the question was, you need a special kind of GDPR privacy attorney. So there could be a lot of different factors that could go into it. Um, but there's definitely a lot of legal ramifications around compliance that don't come up as much in the MSP world. Um, the biggest to me is brand reputation always. So if there's an incident or a breach mm-hmm. on the MSP's watch, the client is already going to hold them responsible um, and ask what went wrong. Um, but that's exacerbated when compliance is in the mix and they think that they have this structure in place and it's a false sense of security. So HIPAA is the best example of this. Um, the last major update to HIPAA was in 2013 um, with um, the, <laughs> the omnibus rule. So think about how much technology's changed in 10 years. Like, Not that much. I mean, technology is yeah, pretty slow exactly. to change. Um, so HIPAA-compliant organizations have bridges or incidents like the biggest hospital network in my area all the time. Um, so compliant doesn't always mean secure. And the MSP is always looked to as that technology and security expert. So to me, that brand reputation around that is the most important. All right. Now, you mentioned HIPAA. I mean, you've mentioned CMMC. Are there like one or two key compliances that you'd recommend that we focus on first? Should it be a regulatory compliance like CMMC or HIPAA? Or should we maybe... uh, get ourselves invested into a framework like NIST CSF or CIS controls? So in most compliance frameworks, there's three components and technical is only one of them. Um, there's also the administrative and the physical. Um, 
I would always suggest starting with CIS version 8 or um, the CompTIA Trustmark. And the reason around that is that they are typically in a language that is familiar to the MSP. It's not in compliance B. Um, and there's a lot of resources mm-hmm. around it to help the MSP start and feel confident in what they're learning and doing. I like that. I, I love knowing that it's going to speak my language. And that's that's the one thing I've I struggle with when it comes to compliance. I'll be the first to say, I uh I have never had a client that required compliance. So I am simply I'm I'm outside of my comfort zone here when when we talk about this stuff. However, I'm I'm comfortable enough because I know you're the the person that actually knows your stuff with this. So I I, I can ask my questions and uh, it's honestly i'm i'm learning right now uh just along with everyone else in the uh uh in youtube so uh thank you for doing this of course all right so realistically how much compliance expertise does my team need before we can credibly offer these services can can any knucklehead with an msp hire uh choice cyber solutions and say we're we're compliance experts now. Yeah. And- um, you know, we can partner together and come in to any client and mm-hmm. make you look good. That's easy. If you want to start from scratch, that's a lot more difficult. Um, it is very hard in my experience to just train a technician to be a compliance expert. You know, we all have our strengths and our superpowers mm-hmm. and uh, what a compliance officer brings to the table it's typically a lot different than what a technician or security analyst brings to the table. And then you need amazing project management. Without that, you cannot be successful with compliance. So it depends what resources you have internally and who is trainable. Um, but typically, a compliance officer is around a six-figure salary or more. Okay. And, and I was, I feel like you sort of answered it. It sounds like we need to hire dedicated compliance staff versus just taking our existing L2, L3 techs and training them to be compliant. In my experience, yes. Um, So my team functions in silos of three. So every client gets a cybersecurity analyst, a compliance officer, and a project manager. And together, they're the compliance dream team to help the client meet and maintain their compliance goals. Um. You know, it, you can hit the ground running tomorrow to partner with someone. Um, but in order to do it in-house, I would suggest having three dedicated resources to do it well. Now, you mentioned that you've got the the dream team. So you've you've got the the tripod, I'll call it. Um, you call you called it the silo. I mean, it's the same thing. So uh, how many how many silos do you? Uh, have? We have three. Uh, different pods. Okay. And then do you have um, like technicians, engineers, whatever the appropriate term uh, that are, that are affiliated with each of those pods or is it more like you've just got a, a knock filled with people and. I try to keep as much in-house now as possible, unless I'm trying to learn a new framework or do something new usually then i'll start by outsourcing mm-hmm. with like a 1099 or something to make sure that it's beneficial to more than just one client mm-hmm. um 
each pod has their own project manager. We call them a CSM, a client success manager. Um, they have their own compliance dedicated resource. So one of them has the director of compliance, but most of them have a compliance officer. And then um, they have a security analyst. And then there's points of escalation. So, you know, a moderate level compliance officer has the director of compliance and another resource internally that they can go to if they have complex situations or need help with that client. Same with the cybersecurity side. We have additional experts on staff. Thanks. Now, I'm, I'm, I understand the concept of a, of a risk assessment. But I don't, I don't necessarily know like what one looks like, what, what all is entailed when it comes to doing a risk assessment. Can you give me like a 10,000 foot overview? Of I one? can tell you what mine looks like, but you could ask 10 people what a risk sure. assessment looks like and get 10 different answers. Um, so mine okay. has six components. Um, it starts with uh, technology infrastructure discovery, what hardware, software tools they have in place. Um, we run different types of vulnerability scans, um, do a policy and documentation gap analysis. So what do they have in place today? What are they missing? Put that all around a compliance framework or multiple frameworks, if that's their goal. Um, we also do like an applications discovery because to me, that's always the biggest risk um, is applications and usage. Like, Sometimes it's easy. They have three different project management softwares and to reduce their attack surface, one is sufficient. Other times it's they have open APIs that are not secured. So very important to us to do that discovery also. And then we do a, like a data flow analysis. So like how does their data move in REST and Emotion in ways that like a scan can't tell me. So it can tell me they have sensitive data where the data lives but it can't tell me how it got there, why it got there, why it lives in 17 different places, and those kinds of things. All right. Now, is this something that is a sales tool, or is this something that I need to be doing for clients that are paying for compliance? And how, how often should I be so doing So there are resources out there that sell themselves as risk assessments that can be used as sales tools. Um, the way that I do it is very labor-intensive and expensive and cannot be done as a, here you go for free on a typical basis. So clients usually start with us as a risk assessment. Every client that walks in the door starts with an assessment. I have to understand their business in order to help them get compliant no matter what. Um, and they can do that on a one-time project basis, or they can just start with monthly services and it would still start with a risk assessment. It just depends how they would want to do things. Okay. And then, um, what are, what would you say are some red flags that a client really needs to get some help getting compliant? I'd say if they're keeping you up at night, that's a problem. Um, <laughs> that would be my biggest red flag and what keeps them up at night. So um, if, hmm. you know, there's an opportunity to put a structure around cybersecurity and one of those blaring red flags are there, I would say that is definitely um, the number one. From there, 
There's a okay. lot of different things that I could be consider red flags. Um, I but I'd say what keeps you up at night or keep them up at night is definitely number one. Okay. Not a problem. So I know we we talked about outsourcing, but I'm I'm kind of curious about if we were doing things internally. What's the the most efficient way to deliver compliance services without blowing my budget on billable hours? I mean, it is because it always takes me at least three compliant frameworks for the same client. So if I introduce a new framework, it takes me at least three clients to be successful and get an ROI. Um, Learning isn't necessarily billable. Um, So that's a huge time commitment and investment. Um, you know, hiring that dedicated staff could potentially, you know, get expensive. Um, it's that's a hard that's hard for me to answer. I'm also pretty biased in my power partnering world because um, I'm typically able sure. to just significantly increase my partner's billable hours and monthly recurring revenue through my compliance services um, and sell their clients on things that they've been trying to sell for years. Um, but I would say, other than power partnering, um, the person who can work the most, so like typically in my business, that's me because it's my business, um, you know, learning in nights and weekends or whoever costs the least um, to help them learn as much as possible or outsource to like a 1099 contractor, not a services company, mm-hmm. um, just bring in like an outsource uh, expert on that specific compliance. So let, let's say I've, I've got, I don't know, a couple, don't worry about it. <laughs> let's say I've got a couple clients that could use compliance, but I, I, I really feel like there's money in compliance. So I want to start getting more compliance clients. How can I generate leads for those services? I would start by understanding what compliance requirements your clients have in place today or what they're trying to meet. There's been a lot of changes in 2023 or tease changes like HIPAA coming soon. Um, so understanding like, do you have medical clients? Because those HIPAA changes are going to come and they're going to need them. Um, advancing their cybersecurity now will only help them. Um SEC changes came out recently. Um, if you have financial clients, um, that could be a huge way to start. Um, starting with what your clients already have and improving it, to me, is always the best way. All right. And then um, should I be proactively pitching or should I just wait for some inbound interest? I'm a firm believer that it's it can't hurt to have a conversation around proactive cybersecurity frameworks. Um, it, it's a sometimes a tough sell unless they have real concerns around cybersecurity, but sometimes it's not. And there's a lot of business uh, reasons to implement a cybersecurity framework in addition to become 
more secure. It also helps with business efficiency, organization, make management easier. There's a lot of benefit to a business owner to implement compliance. Um, and I would ask them, you know, do they have any compliance requirements? Are their clients asking for anything? Are their clients' customers coming to them with spreadsheets and questionnaires asking for supply chain resources? Um, cause that's a great place to start. So if they're sending you, um, resources to fill out on behalf of them for their client, that's, um, a huge indicator that they're in sudden type of space where that's going to keep coming. And the more structure they have in place, the easier those will be. Uh, same with insurance questionnaires and those kinds of things. You know, it's really cool. Um, my mom works in manufacturing and even manufacturing is getting into compliance. They now have requirements of all their suppliers, uh, of, you know, you know, vendors, whatever you want to refer to them as. But, um, she's got like a checklist of, you know, here's, here's where all like, uh, for those of you familiar with it glue, you know, that, that wallboard view they have where it shows you like, I've got I've got all these different uh, types of, of documentation for my clients. It's She's got something like that where she's like, all right, I've got all this information for X, Y, and Z uh, suppliers. It's really cool like what, what some of these companies are starting to do. Um, what, what would you say is the most interesting sector that you've gotten into with compliance is has there been one that's been like oh this is exciting i never thought I love of that this. question um i think everything new is exciting i love the startup world specifically yeah. even though it's typically hard to get them compliant because they have nothing to work with um my favorite client is a print services client um they print for all different types of sensitive data um, medical, financial, so there's mm-hmm. seven different compliances in place. So crosswalking them all and helping them all work together and constantly being in an audit, that's a lot of fun for me. That that does sound, I, I guess print sounds boring to me. I'm not going to lie. Only because it's not exciting. You know, you, you walk in, there's like a warehouse filled with printers or something is what I imagine. And then they've got offices and, and people are are checking off boxes and making sure everything's compliant that just sounds there, blah. like i was well, i was hoping you'd be like yeah we found that there's there's this new compliance we got to get into with like whitewater rafting or like i was i don't I, know i just their automation hopes. software is awesome <laughs> um they have put a ton of development into the, our automation so someone can just like upload a file and it automatically prints and sorts and um, is addressed and labeled. It's all done through technology and automation. So maybe with that, is it really? I so I guess I don't know. I I always think of like the the Minuteman press down the road, where like you're emailing them the file and they're like manually opening it up and verifying that the file's good quality and then manually printing it. Uh, they might have some of the sorting stapling folding features built into their printer but but for the most part they're they're doing everything like very manually but you're right there are you know companies like vistaprint where they've they've probably invested a lot in technology where they're like rocking this stuff out similar to how amazon can rock out so many packages every day this client is 
working mm. towards. So that's why it's really cool. Very cool. All right. Now, uh, let's say, let's go back to, uh, I don't do compliance. So maybe it's just better if I partner. So are there tools that I should have in my tech stack to make sure that we, you, you and me are delivering compliance services? Smoothly? Uh, you know, if there are already security 2.0 resources, like EDR instead of basic antivirus, definitely start there. Um, hopefully we all have that in okay. place. Um, most compliances require some similar things like auditing and logging where a SIM is really helpful in meeting those controls. Um, continuous vulnerability scans um, are another common denominator. Um, all three types of encryption you'll find in most compliances. So drive, file, and advanced email encryption. Um, and then there's, you know, additional resources. So it depends on what sector you're trying to move into. So if you are a Microsoft shop and want to cater to Department of Defense contractors, you want to learn the GovCloud um, and Microsoft's offerings there because it's basically the only good option on the market. Um, and GCC High and figure out how you specifically will get those licenses. But if you power partner with someone like us, we're going to, we've done R&D on many, many, many products. Our team loves R&D. Um, so we'll be able to guide you and say like, um, these three products are a great place to start that can help meet compliance in this area. And from the risk assessment, we'll know the gaps and we'll start setting you up for success then to start your own R&D process. Um, so that when it's time to offer it to the client and go sell it, you're feeling more confident. And because we've done the R&D on it, um, we typically have resources inside of that organization, um, but also internally that can help guide you on how to implement it and make it compliant. Um, most of the time our clients come to us or our power partners, our MSP partners come to us with um, a limited toolkit and we just help them build it up over time. Um, and help them get okay. comfortable. Are you familiar, uh, and I just want to preface this, this is not a sponsored question. Are you familiar with Field Effect? So I just had them on last week, and wow. They are like the most comprehensive cybersecurity platform I have ever seen for MSPs. Uh, I... I recommend checking them out because that could be a great thing for you to, maybe there's a way for you to partner with Field Effect to uh, offer this to your MSP yeah. partners. I, I don't know. I'm just trying yeah. to help you think Our outside the box. Field Effect is just yeah. really cool. Already have enough for me. Thanks for the recommendation. I try to stay vendor neutral wherever I can. Um, I built a toolkit that sure. I can resell quickly. With like a SIM, continuous vulnerability scans, file encryption, scanning tools. Um, mm. But that's because I had to, because the MSP didn't have any of them and the client needed things quickly. So I needed to be able to advise sure. and deploy within a week. Um, but typically our goal is to stay vendor neutral and you to come to us with what you like and use and us advise you on how to make it compliant if possible. Hmm. All right. 
Now let's let's go back because uh, I I like to go on little tangents. So I started us down a path about risk assessments and then squirrel. So okay. sorry. Um. All right. So we talked about like what your risk assessment looks like. Um. Talk to me about where is the risk assessment. So uh, let's let's talk about I've. I've decided I want to advertise compliance and I'm, I'm partnering with choice cyber. You guys are doing the compliance. I'm doing the, the hands-on stuff, whatever you need me to do. I'm doing the hands-on and I get to build a, the client for all that. What does the process look like? So from, from the time that we engage with a prospect to we've got the, the contract signed, what happens in between there for the sales process? Are there risk assessments? There's no risk assessment during the sales process. Um, We, as a company, do not touch any networks. That's your job. We stay in our lane and help support you in your lane. Um, Well, we'll help with the sales process as much or as little as you want. Um, Typically, once there is uh, a lead, our MSD partners will just call us in and let us sell our own services to them and then just make a percentage on the back end of those services. Um, The risk assessment, what we need from the MSP um, is like a whole network infrastructure discovery. So um, if there's Mm -hmm. tools in place that can pull that quickly, great. If not, it'll be um, a questionnaire that we send out um, and then help us run uh, three different types of scans. Um, depending on their environment, we always try to run three different types. We have a bunch of different tools in our toolkit. Um, but for us, the assessment is just the beginning. So from there, we can take a lot of that and map it to compliance controls of what's in place and what's not. Maybe come back to you with a couple of additional technical follow-up questions. We'll help desk tickets are handled or things of that nature. Um, but for the most part, that's all we need from uh, the MSP during the risk assessment. So the deliverable on that is an executive summary with all the gaps, risks, and recommendations. Um, from there, we help you build uh, your uh, toolkit and what you need to go and sell to that client. Um, so whether that's advanced technology tools, a bundle of hours to get projects done, um, almost always more advanced Microsoft licenses um, and those kinds of things. So we'll help you build all of that out and tell you what needs to be done. So we're not just going to be like, oh, go sell um, G5 licenses to this client. We're going to say, you know, this is how email encryption needs to be set up. This is, you know, how every individual thing needs to be done and set you up for success. Um, and we like to think of that as the address fees. So, uh, Filling those gaps and holes, getting clients compliant, and through an audit, if it's an audited compliance, like a SOC 2 or a CMMC or an ISO 27001. And then from there, we call it maintain. So compliance isn't start and stop. There's no finish line um, at the end of the day. Uh, it's more of like a circle. So usually at the time you know, mm-hmm. we go through the audit, it's almost time to start the annual risk assessment and do things all over again. Um, but there's a hefty workload in keeping clients compliant. 
on an ongoing basis. So that typically looks like tools and monthly recurring revenue for your team. Um, sometimes additional time and effort, um, but just continuing on the path of doing that same thing every single year. That that almost sounds, I don't know, repetitive and boring. So sorry. Is that a dog? It is a giant mastiff, yes. <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, well, that's... I. I, I work from home. I've got, thankfully, she's a quiet puppy. I call her, I call her my lap dog. She's a 75 pound pit bull. Uh, she likes to lay on top of me. So <laughs> I, I get I it. sent Don't my uh, little pity to school uh, today because he would definitely be a- oh. Well, he wants uh, in too. No, he's next to me. My husband was in King Paul. So he's looking at his. His oh, own okay. owner. <laughs> He's gotcha. not the brightest okay. in the shed. <laughs> hey, he hears noises. He's exactly. protecting you. He's 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 a goodest boy, right? All right. So so let's talk about some compliance stuff. Are there are there any emerging compliances that should be on our radar right now? As MSPs? there's always new compliances coming out. Um, my. But are, th- are there some that, uh, for lack of a better term, matter? I would never start there. If you are starting learning <laughs> compliance, starting with emerging compliance is never a great place to start because there's never great resources out there to learn. Um, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's like navigating the Wild West and creating your own resources. So if you aren't familiar with compliance language and a lot of different compliances and how they could potentially interpret this compliance standard, it's not a great place to start. I would start with the evolving changes and the most recent changes of frameworks that are common. So like I was saying, like the SEC recently changed. HIPAA has been teasing us all year that they're coming out with changes soon. CMMC is a newer compliance with resources that um, is has changed a thousand times and is going to change probably more before they have a finished product there. CMMC seems like I, I keep seeing all these wacky headlines like CMMC is dead and, and everything else, but it doesn't seem very dead because people keep talking about it. So is there, is there something simple that you can say about CMMC to MSPs to help us understand what the current status is and I don't know what we should expect from CMMC in the next, I don't know, 12 months. I can't speak on exactly what we'll see in the next 12 months because they seem to change their mind every day. Um, okay. <laughs> it's not that often. That's a bit of, of an exaggeration, but it, it's often. Um, the reason that you might be seeing things like it's dead, I personally haven't seen that, but um, they they chose a different alternate route where it was originally a NIST 800 171. Um, with additional parameters and controls. And then they were like, oh, no, we're just going to change the NIST 800-171 requirements a little bit and call it CMMC. So um, they are the same currently, um, for the most part, the NIST 800-171 and CMMC. Interesting. 
So if, if an MSP said, all right, I want to start with NIST CSF, which is the NIST cybersecurity framework, that would be a great stepping stone to get them uh, maybe headed in the right direction of 800-171, or are they not They're not the, the same, same thing, thing, but NIST CSF is always a great starting point. You know, it's, it's great okay. to have, you know, that cybersecurity maturity in any capacity is always a great starting point. Um, so I guess, I guess what I was, what I was thinking is it's, it's confusing when one organization has multiple compliance yeah. frameworks, right? So, you know, CIS controls V8. I get it. V7 was just right. the prior version. Yes. V8's the current version, but NIST CSF and NIST 800-171, I guess I just kind of pictured 800-171 as like, the pro model and then CSF is the prosumer model. So I'm like, um, just going back to CMMC for a second. There's still three levels. So what I was referring to as level two, because that's yeah. the most common in my world. There is a level one yes. that I don't know off the top uh -huh. of my head what overlaps with CSF, but I can imagine it's probably a, a good 90% or more. Um, it's hmm. really not very limited the scope and what it is um and then there's okay. third level so, for like the lockings of the world um those huge organizations gotcha. and that's not where i i only have one client working towards that and that's elective not mandatory um nist is a little similar so the pro version in my world is actually nist 853 which is like mm -hmm. 300 um requirements and it's just it's a bear um the NIST 800 171 is what's required by the department of Defense. it always has been um or at least in the last you know eight to ten years it's been requested by the department of Defense. um they used resources like exostar as a questionnaire to uh prove through self-attestation that that NIST 1071 was in place. And now they're calling that CMMC and putting an audit around it for level two. Okay. And I, you know, I, I know I plead ignorance a lot, but I do believe the answer is NIST CSF uh, and CIS controls are like frameworks that are, um, optional like they're they're not regulatory they're they're not government mandated they're like just really good practices that every company that wants great cybersecurity hygiene should implement whereas uh 800171 or 853 are more like if if you want to get into government work or just something that requires regulation uh these are the regulations that we have in place. These exactly. Are the so we call those cybersecurity best practices frameworks. Um, I always do a discovery on my client to understand where they do business, how they do business, and how they work before I recommend one of three. So the NIST cybersecurity framework, mm -hmm. um, the uh, CIS version 8 for uh, remote work, more cloud-based work, it's more comprehensive in those in that area 
or if they do international work, ISO 27001 is the international best practices framework for cybersecurity. So if they have a lot of on-prem, um, the CSS is typically more comprehensive in that area. So, uh, and then I helped CompTIA create a cybersecurity trust mark, kind of combined all three to make one really great best practices framework. on-prem stuff NIST CFF CSF is going to be the best framework not not every time but most times uh cloud-based uh CIS at least level two there's three levels implementation group two okay and then international would be ISO 27001 and is there for for the NIST CSF or the ISO? Are there um, implementation groups or levels that that we should worry about? Um, for NIST CSF, there's uh, four different levels, but the same requirement. Um, they just define like compliant, not compliant, a little differently um, in four different levels. So you can say that you're compliant at a level three. Um, and, uh, but the best is obviously level four that's like implemented, documented, practiced, updated regularly, where three is I'm doing it, I'm doing it well, and I have some documentation. Um, and then one is nothing and two is working on it. Um, I sent you seven zero zero one is just, uh, the same set of requirements and standards. There are no implementation groups like CIS. Um, but there is an optional audit. So um, sometimes that'll be a requirement to do business. And um, there is a, you can get a certificate of completion um, and go through an audit, which sometimes companies really want to do. And then are there any, are there any compliance certifications that MSPs should get even when they are saying they're going to partner with a company like yours? I would ask the why before I would make a recommendation. Um, and what I think, I think the why is, I mean, a lot of MSPs are just certification. Happy. Yeah. And I love that. And I love giving them myself. So I can't say no. Um, I would have to understand where they're located, what their client base is, and what their career goals are before I could really make a great recommendation. Um, there's so many out there. Um, the most common in our world is the CISSP. Um, so if they're really interested, that could be a good place to start. Um, it's easy for someone in my shoes to do something like that because that's what I do every day. But um, I, and it's harder mm-hmm. for someone that thinks like an MSP because the solution to the problem isn't fix it. It's call the person to fix it. Um, so sometimes changing your mindset to do something like that can be challenging. Gotcha. Are there some common mistakes that you see MSPs making when they first start offering compliance services? I'd say the biggest mistake is not implementing things internally first um it really could just set things up for much greater success even if you can't get 
an entire framework to the finish line, just starting can help so much. Um, there's just so many to list. Um, thinking that a GRC platform um, equals compliance services provider, uh, that is not the same thing. Uh, one is just software that uh, has the questions in it. And one is, you know, a comprehensive resource to provide guidance and um, compliance services is really like a consultative approach to help the whole business and a GRC platform alone cannot do that. Uh, that goes hand in hand with uh, underestimating the complexities of compliance. Um, but it all comes down to providing the client with inaccurate guidance or advice or resources, um, the same as anything. Something that I would caution is I'm starting to see more and more. Um, I, I just saw something where somebody was offering uh, download Excel spreadsheet workbook, whatever you want to call it, that they basically take all of Microsoft 365 and align it to CIS V8. And I want to caution MSPs that um, that's a crutch and that one, just because Microsoft 365 might be compliant, it does not mean that the company is compliant because there's all the other stuff that yeah. they do still, right? And then two, if you're relying on somebody else's workbook, what if they got it wrong and you're not educating yourself and, and just, you know, understanding the compliance well enough to know, oh, you know what? This says I need to check this box, but really I need to be checking this box in order to be compliant the way I want Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. Those are great points. Also, it's only the Microsoft world. So what company only functions in Microsoft? Like a password policy is a great example of this. Uh, you know, how mm -hmm. it's set up in Microsoft and done through your Active Directory or Azure AD is maybe different than how it's done in your project management software or your CRM or other places that store and transmit sensitive data. Um, so it's not always just one size fits all. Um, it's one tiny aspect of a complex question. Yeah. And I'll also say this, that uh, making your own company compliant internally, boy, does that give you some barriers. Uh, simple things like, you know, you, you need to have policies as to what your employees are allowed to do on their machines or what, what company data are they allowed to put on their personal devices like their iPhone or whatever. Um, I mean, you look at the, the recent Okta debacle. Um, I, I think I just read that it was, it was caused by an employee at Okta putting like their, their Okta account on their personal I'm sorry, on their Okta device, they logged into their personal Google account in Chrome. And that is what caused this whole nightmare. And it's like, holy cow, like there's just so much to to think and worry about when it comes to compliance. Yeah, but shouldn't we be doing that anyway? Uh, shouldn't we be protecting our organizations anyway to protect our 
yeah, I mean, yes, but but you gotta you gotta think like a lot of us MSPs that have been doing this for 10, 20 years. I mean, things were a lot different when we started. And unfortunately, there's that phrase, you, you can't teach an, an old dog new tricks for a reason. So when when you think about all these, you know, MSPs that have been doing this since the 90s or, or early 2000s, um, man, that's it's just so different. I get it. Um, but I think we all got into this industry because we like learning new tricks and like learning new things and like the constant of evolution and changes. And compliance just puts a structure around what we need to do for cybersecurity. Um, those things yeah. really should be in place to protect your clients no matter what. Like, what happens if someone gets into your IT glue? That's a problem. Um, you know, you have the keys to the, every client kingdom. Um, protecting that should be a priority. It, it should. And I, I don't disagree with you. I'm simply saying that sometimes your employees make this harder than it They're needs to be. Weakest link, always um, in any organization. Yeah, always. So let's let's talk about uh, compliance making me some money. Um, I've got I've got two statements, uh, two questions. One, realistically. How long until I start to see return on investment from compliance services as an So MSP? our partners see an ROI within three to four months um, of starting with us. Um, if doing things internally, I guess it would depend on how much is invested and the resources chosen. Um, I would venture to guess it takes at least 90 days to train a new team member and then uh, you have to do R&D on security tools, find a GRC platform, and the list goes on. Um, so, yeah, let's let's not okay. worry about internal. Let's just worry about we we partnered with Choice Cyber. How and and let's just pretend we're we're not going to worry about our internal compliance. We're just worried about uh, revenue driving stuff. Is there like a fee to sign up no, and partner with you? No, it's all free. Um, our partners typically okay. make 10% on uh, whatever monthly services we have in place. And then we help them sell monthly recurring resources and projects to the client based on their compliance needs. Um, so typically that's uh, anywhere in the ballpark of it depends what they have in place today, right? If they have regular antivirus software, I can sure. probably quadruple that. Um, if they have, you know, EDR and more advanced technology, sometimes it's just adding, you know, a couple thousand dollars additional a month, depending on how many devices they have and those kinds of things. Um, hey, that's like a new iMac every month. Yeah. <laughs> um, the best part is that, you know, compliance really requires these very specific parameters around technology and cybersecurity to meet these very basic standards. Mm -hmm. So clients that are motivated to get compliant are typically more willing to invest in whatever it takes to meet their goals. Very good. Now, um, I think you answered it, but I just want to, I want to clarify with a question. We, we called this today, use compliance to easily double your revenue. So how, how are we easily doubling the revenue? Is it simply from uh, the 10% cut we get 
are, are you charging that much or is it because of all the projects and, and up, uh, upsells? Definitely not the 10%. Um, that's, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year. Typically, um, it's from the projects that you are going to go in and do and, um, the new monthly recurring revenue that you're going to so I've been in the countless situations where an MST partner has warned me the client won't spend, they won't buy this or that. Um, and uh, typically I walk in and say, you have to jump because of compliance. And they say, how high and where do I sign? Um, I had a benefits company uh, that needed HIPAA. Uh, we were brought in by a long-term partner. And he basically advised us that they were never going to agree to anything, that everything he had done the last couple of years had shut down, they don't have a budget, et cetera. And he had tried so many times. Within six months, we had more than doubled his recurring revenue with the client, um, given him a 100-hour project to migrate their Officer 65 and a couple of other things. And um, that doesn't include our services or commissions. Now, with with Choice Cyber, if if we recommend your company to one of our clients or prospects or whatever, um, are you doing uh, all of the compliance for them? Like, let's say, for example, it's a doctor's office and they need to be HIPAA compliant. Are you helping them with, uh, I, I don't know, like making sure the doors have fingerprint technology to, to keep, like, you're doing um, all of it, right? Yes. Uh, I wish HIPAA required fingerprint technology, maybe in those updates. Um, but I don't uh, know. Yeah. I just made well, it up. We would advise you on the technical <laughs> side always. You would be our physical boots on the ground. So if we needed, like, evidence and mm -hmm. photos and those kinds of things, and you were already sending a tech on site, we'd ask you to take those photos. But we would handle all the administrative and the physical side of things. Okay. But I, and I guess I just want to clarify my question. You're handling all aspects of compliance, not just IT compliance. Right. Even though we're the ones doing the IT work, you're also going to facilitate uh, compliance when it comes to paperwork and, and whatever else, insurance. We do the policies, that, right? the procedures, okay. we help with all the documentation. We handle everything. We specialize in cyber and privacy compliance. There are so many compliances out there, um, like QA compliance and different things. Um, those are not our wheelhouse, but we do have power partners that we could bring in to help your clients any compliance goals that they come to you So what I'm hearing sounds too good to be true. And and let me let me say why. So as an MSP, I sign up to become a partner of Choice Cyber Solutions. Um I, let's say I've got a doctor's office. I, I need them to be HIPAA compliant. They're not currently working with anybody. I say, why don't you talk to Alex? They do. They sign up. And now you're uh, going to give me a, a cut of whatever you charge them, which might be a couple thousand a year because, I don't know, reasons. And then uh, there's also a whole bunch of projects that I'm going to need to do, which I might not have set it the right way to get them to purchase it. But now that they've got a compliance, are you technically a compliance officer for them at that point? Usually. Or? Okay. So, so now that they've got a compliance officer in place saying, Hey, we can't be compliant unless X, Y, Z happen. Uh, you move mountains and get them to, to sign in the dotted line. So 
working with you is just going to make us a bunch of money and I don't see a downside. Is there a downside? What's the downside? There's got to so be a gotcha here. It takes your time and energy and we need a dedicated resource from your team. You know, nothing is for free to make money. You have to give sure. us resources to help you make money. Um, but yeah, it's it's that easy. Um if you don't have the resources in place, if you're stretched too thin and you can't give the client what the services that need to be sold, that's the only challenge that I've ever really run into um, when it comes to those concerns that you just mm -hmm. mentioned. Other than that, if you have the resources to dedicate and, um, you know, the time to build a client, uh, yeah, it's that easy. They, have, they also have to be motivated, right? It's really hard to sell proactive compliance. Sure. That's It's my favorite, but it's not an easy mm -hmm. sell. And and with, with that, um, there are other compliance companies out there, and I can't even think of them right now. I'm, I'm sure there's some that specialize in like HIPAA, for example. W what would you say to MSPs that are... Uh, Considering you versus other companies. We're a services company designed to support and help the MSD, um, created by an MSD. My business partner owned and operated one for 21 years. So we've walked in their shoes. We know what it's like. And it's a handheld service for both the client and the MSD. A lot of these resources out there is very much a do-it-yourself model um, where you sign up or it's just the tool um, and the GRC platform, there's like a chat bot that you can ask questions. This is not like that. We do everything. And all you have to do is implement some new technology and help make our lives easier by answering questions and only things that apply to technology in your wheelhouse. So I've got two final questions yeah. for you, Alex. Uh, one, can you share a success story of any MSP that grew a lot just by offering compliance. Yeah, um, I have a partner that uh, has about eight clients with us now, and each one of those clients um, significantly increased their revenue to the point where they uh, built up their business so much that they were able to sell it for a significant amount of money. Awesome. I love hearing yeah. those kind of stories because... An exit is always exciting. Yeah. Always exciting. All right. What is the number one piece of advice that you would give to MSPs getting started with compliance? Start internally. You don't have to put in a whole framework. Um, start with the examples that you gave, you know, protect your BYOD and, you know, practice putting on your own oxygen mask first. Um, document your procedures and how you handle things like help desk ticket. It'll make offering compliance to your clients so much easier and help you sleep better at night and better protect your business. Great. Now, for those of you that are, are still skeptical, check out the website, choicecybersolutions.com. You can learn a little bit more about the company. You can even hit the button up on the top. It says, talk to an expert. You can book a meeting. They've got multiple ways for you to get in touch uh, over at your company. You've done a great job with your marketing. I appreciate it. Kudos. Uh, it, we, we, you mentioned it, it's typically around like a couple thousand a year. Is, is that 
uh, pretty standard or it does it obviously it depends on the size of the company yeah. and the type of compliance, um, et cetera. But uh, is that like a good starting um, price? Commissions for the MSD. Um, typically it's around $3,500 okay. a month and up depending on what they okay. need. And again, we'll sell that for you. Okay. Sure. That's, and you know, it's, it's just good to understand. Like, I, I know that that already has put a barrier in front of some of these MSPs, right? Because they hear, oh, 3,500 a month. There's no way Dr. So-and-so is going to sign up for that. That cheapskate. Yeah. Can't hurt to try. And we could, <laughs> you know, help you figure out a best path moving forward. Um, but a client that's motivated will find the budget in my experience. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you will do a good job of motivating that. Client. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's easier if they are being motivated by their customers or industry standards and regulations and those kinds of things. Um, but yes, we will motivate them. And compliance isn't cheap no matter how you slice it. If you don't offer it and mm -hmm. or power partner and have control over the situation, they're going to hire someone else that might take over their entire business. Yeah. Well, very good. Alex, thank you so much for coming on here today and, and educating us about compliance and about what Choice Cyber does for MSPs and their clients. I really thank you so you. much for having me. This is a great time. Absolutely. All right. You all have yourselves a great day and I'll catch you next week. All right.